There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Thank you once again for tuning to the podcast. This is our Wednesday edition of the podcast. We would like to remind you that tonight and tomorrow night still at the Manassas Community Baptist Church in Blaine, Pennsylvania, 6.30 to 8.30 each night is Vacation Bible School with our missionary, Brother Dale Morey. Brother Dale has been on this podcast. He's been a guest many times. We advertise his website, onesoulatatime.net. It's great preaching out there. Many, many messages from many, many different preachers. And then also, he is the director, if you will, the founder of the Liberty Behind Bars Prison Ministry. And uh, Brother Dale himself understands greatly the inside as well as now the outside of the prison ministry. And we certainly are thankful for what God has done for him. And so we just want to make that quick announcement. And then, Lord willing, this weekend, Brother Maury will be with us, Brother Skolton, over at the Bible Baptist Church in Monalto, Pennsylvania. And so if you're able to be there, we'll be there at 945 there at the Pavilion in the Park, right downtown Monalto. There's only one park downtown. And so just be, love to have you there. And then we'll also be back at 6 o'clock in the evening for the second service later on in the day. And I believe in the morning, Brother Maury and Brother Sculpton are both supposed to be preachers. We'll get a double lineup of preachers, and we thank the Lord for that. Job 41, he deals with Leviathan here, and the Lord, of course, is still speaking to Job. And I think it's important to understand this, that when you look at this, we're looking at the creature that was. I don't believe, personally, this creature is still upon the earth. I understand the typologies. I understand the pictures. I understand all of these things. But what I see here is the Lord is identifying to Job a creature. But what's important to understand is when the Lord speaks of this creature, and the Lord tells of this creature, and he asks questions about him, the Lord basically tells us, so it is with me. Can you approach this creature? No, you cannot. Well, so it is with me. Can you do this? No, you cannot do this. Why? Because I'm the same. And he's telling this is the mightiest of creatures on the earth, yet God created this creature. And man cannot do anything with this creature, yet God created him. One of the things you'll notice here as we look at other places where the word of God speaks of Leviathan, we see in Psalm 74, 14, he said, that breaketh the heads, that's plurality of Leviathan, it's a mighty creature, in pieces, and gaveth him to be meat to the people inhabiting the wilderness. So we know that God broke the head of Leviathan, in this case, it's plurality, the heads of Leviathan. So again, gives you some more information. Psalm 104, 26, he says, there go the ships, there is that Leviathan whom thou hast made to play therein. The Lord God also tells he's awaiting his meat in his season. God is going to give him his meat in his season. But Isaiah 27, verse 1, is really the focus of what I want to look at for just this section. Then we're just going to preach the reality of Leviathan. But I want you to notice this with everything else we preach. He says, in that day, the Lord with his sore and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent. So he tells us God's going to punish him. But he's a piercing serpent, even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, 
and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. So where God tells us he's a dragon, where God tells us he's a serpent, it gives us a lot of understanding about Leviathan. Now, let's continue on. Let's preach Leviathan just as we see it in Scripture. So I believe what I'm going to deal with today is just the literal. We'll go through this verse by verse. But I want you to understand this, that the, as no man can deal with this creature, except as this creature wills, so it is with Almighty God. You cannot deal with God outside of his will. You'll be outside of God's will. It's pretty basic. It's pretty simple. And you'll miss what God has for you. And there are so many contending with the will of God, contending with what God wants, contending with what God is trying to do. And so let's look at it from that aspect, from that angle. You can preach later on the typology all you want. You can preach this as the devil incarnate himself. It won't bother me one bit, but I'm not going to preach it that way. I'm going to preach this with understanding. The Lord is explaining to us there's nothing you can do with this mighty creature. There's nothing you can do to sway him, nothing you can do to turn him. Yet we can turn God, we can turn the mind of God. And God is not a man that he should repent, yet there are men that turn God's mind. Because they saw, God saw their humility and the response of prayer and supplications, God did great and mighty things. And God has always done great and mighty things, but it doesn't change God's will. And therefore, there are men trying to come to God on their terms. They're going to miss it because you cannot change God. He's a, the never-changing God. He's the eternal God. He's been settled forever. And yet there are men trying to change God. They're trying to approach God outside of the word of God, trying to approach God on their conditions. That's a trouble. That's a problem. He says, Canst thou draw out Leviathan with a hook or his tongue with a cord which thou lettest down? You need to go catch this mighty beast. And I know that again, there's pictures, there's types, but I believe when he says literally here, he speaks of the flames. I believe that he spit out flames. I believe this is a creature that Job was familiar with, does not exist today. The Word of God tells us that, so why wouldn't I believe that? And people go, Well, you know, that's pretty far fetched. That's kind of. That's kind of science fiction fairy tale stuff. Well, if you believe the Bible, it's not. There's a lot of things in the Bible. If you just believe the Bible, it could be the fairy tales you watched as a child or some of you may still watch. It could be that's what's throwing you off from believing God. You believe everything's a fairy tale. Can't thou put a hook into his nose or bore his jaw through with a thorn? No, he's a mighty beast. You can't get near him. You can't touch him. Will he make many supplications unto thee? Will he speak soft words unto thee? little feel-good, sappy, religious volume that people have. Oh, they come to God with all their sappiness and all their false humility and their little soft words rather than just cry out to God mightily and cry out to God in power and cry out to God out of desperation. They come with all their little fake religious little ideals and then they want God to speak softly to them. God's angry with the wicked every day and God's wrath is already upon them and they're condemned already. They're already dead in trespasses and sins and they want God to just deal with them with kid gloves and God's not going to do that. He's angry with the wicked. He's angry with them. He's angry with you, sinner friend. Will he make a covenant with thee? Will thou take him for a servant forever? Will thou play with him as with a bird? Will thou bind him for thy maidens? What are you going to do with this Leviathan? What are you going to do? Are you going to go to play with him like a bird, this mighty beast, this mighty creature? And you realize how huge he is, how massive he is, how strong he is, how violent he is. You're just going to play around with him? You had to go just, just tickle him under the chin and play with him and get him in your little cuddly blankets and roll around the floor with him like you would a kitten. No, we're talking about a Leviathan. We're talking about this creature of the deep. We're talking about this, this mighty beast that God speaks of here. And again, I'm not trying to draw a parallel. I'm not saying God's a mighty beast, but he's a mighty God. 
And you approach God on his terms, not on your terms ever. There's not one time in my life I've ever approached God and swayed him to my terms. Never in my life has it taken place. Every time there's ever been a change in my life that's been towards God, it's been on his terms. And yet there's some still fighting, still wrestling, still trying to get God to come down and meet them where they are, trying to get God to meet them on their terms without repentance, without that great turn, without that great a great acknowledgement of him. He goes on and says, shall the companions make a banquet of him? Shall he part him among the merchants? Canst thou fill his skin with barbed irons or his head with fish spears? Lay thine hand upon him. Remember the battle. Do no more. Behold, the hope of him is in vain. Not Shall not one be cast down even at the sight of him? None is so fierce that dare stir him up. And then notice what the Lord says in verse 10. This is really the thrust of what we're dealing with today. Who then is able to stand before me? If one can't stand before this Leviathan, one doesn't dare go down and mess with him. One doesn't dare go lay their hand upon him. One doesn't dare go down to the where he dwells and, and put a hook in him and put a barb in him and put fish spears in his head and draw him out with those things. No, then why do we try to do that with God? Who's able to stand before God? He's telling Job this. This is his last exhortation to Job. This is the last words he's speaking to Job. He's letting Job know of his might and his power. If you can't do anything with Leviathan, how in the world are you going to do anything with me outside of my terms? He said, it prevented me that I should repay him. Whatsoever is under the whole heaven is mine. I will not conceal his parts, nor his power, nor his comely proportion. Who can discover the face of his garment, or who can come to him with his double bridle? You know, put this man under subjection. You put God under subjection. You put Leviathan under subjection. You put a bridle on them. By the way, there's a lot of people try to bridle God. They've been trying to do away with the word of God for a long time. And finally, you know, the enemy got smart. He got real smart back in the 1800s. He said, you know what? Instead of trying to destroy the Word of God, because the freedom that America has, uh, thanks to the, the, the Baptists of Providence, Rhode Island, going overseas and getting the Rhode Island Charter, giving freedom of religion, and then, of course, the Constitution giving us freedom of religion. And so the devil got real smart. He said, you know, I'm not going to try to take away the Word of God from them anymore. I'm just going to change it, and I'm going to tell them the change is good. And slowly, I'm going to change it, and eventually, they're just going to think this is the Word of God, and it's going to be a false book. It's going to be a lie. But yet, they're going to buy into it. Sure enough, they have. That's all he had to do. Who can open the doors of his face? His teeth are terrible round about. Again, he's talking about Leviathan. His scales are his pride, shut up together as with a close seal. One is so near to another, no air can come between them. They're joined one to another. They stick together that they cannot be sundered. By his niecings, a light doth shine. His eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. Out of his mouth go burning lamps, and sparks of fire leap out. That's what the Word of God says about him, by the way. People say, I think it's just a Nile crocodile. Well, you go find sparks leaping out of the crocodile's mouth, and I'll get on board with that. Out of his nostrils goeth smoke, as a seething pot or cauldron. His breath kindleth coals, and a flame goeth out of his mouth. In his neck remaineth strength, and sorrow is turned into joy before him. The flakes of his flesh are joined together. They are firm in themselves. They cannot be moved. His heart is as firm as a stone. But notice this, yea, as hard as a piece of the nether millstone. You're not going to change his heart. You're not going to change his heart. You're not going to. He is hardened. He is what God made him. He's not, he's not going to look at your little child and go, you know, what a cute little baby. 
You know, we go down to Hilton Head Island time to time. My wife and I, we've taken the family down. They're always on the watch for gators, always looking out, making sure the children are safe. And we see these articles about people killed by alligators. And uh, you realize that most of them have a dog. Most of them have a little puppy. And I realize the human heart sees that puppy. Boy, he wants to play with that puppy and pet that puppy. And, you know, people see my children. They have their dog. They want to bring their dog over to the children. want to pet the dog. And my children love petting the strange dog. I'm always very wary and... Even the little ones especially, I'm very wary of them. But boy, people just love that idea. Oh, this little puppy. This little... You realize that alligator, and I'm not liking in Leviathan an alligator. I'm just using this illustration. But that alligator, you know what he sees in that cute little puppy? He sees a snack. That's what he sees. And those owners run down and try to rescue their dog. And you know what the alligator has? He has a second snack. And it's happened time and time again. There's a video out there just recently in Hilton and right there in the entrance of Sea Pines. A pond where a lady was killed a couple of years ago. A man goes down there. That alligator comes up out of the pond and his dog. And he takes off a running up the bank. And the alligator stopped. And that man got away. But all he saw was snack time. All he saw was puppy time. He he was hardened. He didn't care. He sees a little infant baby dangling over the water to him. It's not a cute little baby. It's not a little human soul. All that is to him is a snack. He's hard, buddy. And he rises them up self. The mighty are afraid. By reasons of breaking, they purify themselves. The sword of him that layeth in him cannot hold the spear, the dart, nor the habergen. He esteemeth iron as straw. Brass is rotten wood. That's strength. He has tremendous strength. The arrow cannot make him flee. The sling stones are turned with him into stubble. Darts are counted as stubble. He laugheth at the shaking of a spear. Again, a mighty creature, a mighty creature. And God's trying to make a point with Job. By the way, Job gets this understanding. Job gets this point. We see that in chapter 42, the first thing Job says, I know that thou canst do everything. If God can make a creature this marvelous and this fearless and this strong, if God can make an ostrich that doesn't even care about her young, she doesn't care that they're trodden to foot, she doesn't care that they run across the desert devoured, she doesn't give, they give a care about that God made her that way. If God can do that, how much more can he do with man that he loves and he gave his son for? How much more can God do for man? How, again, why do we come to God on our terms? Why do we come to God with our feelings? Why do we come to God with our emotion? Why do we come to God with all of our reasonings rather than with just the word of God? The great arguments we're dealing with today over doctrine, the great arguments we're dealing with the word of God, it has to do with the word of God, nothing else. There are those that are convinced the word of God is not pure. It's not accurate. It means something else. It, it's different. It's, it's, it's something that it, God, God doesn't really care about these things. Why do you make a big deal about this? You realize if God put it in the word of God, it's a big deal. It is a huge deal. It doesn't matter how insignificant it may seem to you. That's just your intellect. That's just your reasoning. It's a big deal to God. Sharp stones are under him. He spreadeth sharp pointed things up on the mire. He maketh the deep to boil like a pot. He maketh the sea like a pot of ointment. Why? The shaking of his head, the swaying of his body, the wrath of his tail, all these things stirred, and the sea becomes like ointment. And it's the power of God demonstrated in this great creature. It's a working of God demonstrated in his creation. He maketh the path to shine after him. One would think the deep to be hoary. Upon earth there is not his like who is made without fear. He beholdeth all high things. He is king over all the children of pride. Boy, what a wonderful statement. There is none upon earth. There is no creature upon earth that's made like him. And he said this, without fear. 
Do you think God fears? Do you think God fears? Do you think God has any fear in him? He's not given a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. Do you think God's concerned the slightest bit about the devil? Do you think that God's concerned the slightest bit about this war in heaven that's about to take place? Do you think God's the slightest bit concerned about that man of sin taking his seat upon the throne of God? Do you think God's the slightest bit concerned about that great tribulation upon this earth? And that man of sin ruling and reigning and people bowing the knee to him. Do you think God had to take half a baby aspirin this morning worrying about people bowing the knee to that man of sin? No, because God is going to give them a strong delusion. They'll believe a lie. Why? Because they would not receive the love of the truth. It's already settled in heaven. When men won't receive the love of the truth, they'll be damned forever. And God's not the slightest bit worried about that. Yet he's also not willing that he should perish, for that all should come to repentance. God's not going to change. God's not going to change for me. God's not going to change for you. God's not going to change for my children. We're not going to descend into heaven and bring God down. We're not going to go into hell and bring God up. You know what we're going to do? We're going to submit to the word of God. He tells Job this. This is a mighty creature. This is a mighty creation. And he tells Job with this mighty creature who absolutely has no fear, unlike any other creature that's ever been made. He's absolutely fearless upon this earth. No man can touch him. No man can harm him. No man can do anything. And then Job is telling, or God is telling Job in this, would you look at me? How much greater am I? I made this creature. I made Leviathan. How much greater I am than this creature. Yet men don't fear God. They try to use God. They abuse God. They lie about God. They deceive about God. They have no fear of God before their eyes. God establishes who he is in this chapter with Leviathan. Job sees that, by the way. Job's repentance is when he sees the might and the power of God and realizes all these things are in God's hand. All of Job's destruction, God could have stopped it, but God let it pass through. God took that hedge from around Job and let Satan come in and absolutely destroy what Job had. But really, in the ultimate understanding of all these things, we'll talk about in the next two days, God was glorified and Job was restored. What a marvelous work. What a marvelous God. What a marvelous Savior. Quit doing it your way. Do it God's way. Quit trying to figure it out. Just believe God. Quit trying to do it the power of your might and just let God have his will in his way. That's his plan for each of us. Have a great day. Lord, we'll be back. Job chapter 42 tomorrow. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. As he cries for forgiveness and mercy, God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up 
For your redemption, call it not. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed.